0: Welcome to the Intentional Growth Podcast, the show that teaches you how to grow the value of a company with an end in mind. Host Ryan Tansom interviews top business leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals who share their experience and expertise about buying, growing, and selling companies.
1: Thanks for tuning back in. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and this is the Intentional Growth Podcast, and it's episode 258. On the show over the last couple of months, we've been talking about search funds and acquisition entrepreneurs who have some money or some debt behind them and they're gonna go buy a company, become the CEO and take and grow that company. And a lot of people are going, well, where are these people? Who are they? What are good ones look like? And who do bad ones look like? Where are they getting their money? And so today on the show, we have a wonderful guest who's going to dive further into this acquisition entrepreneur model. My guest today, his name is Kylan Ginger, and he started and led multiple businesses with three exits under his belt. He's lived in the mountains of Washington state with his wife and business partner. He's one of the principals at Acquira, which is an investment fund and accelerator for acquisition entrepreneurs. He's the the podcast host of Successful Dropout, where he got a lot of following from his story about dropping out of college and talking about how he educated himself in a non-traditional way, which I love how Kylan explains his learning technique. He's also the drummer and vocals for Entice the Mice, which Kylan would argue is one of the greatest rock bands of all times, and you can listen to them on Spotify and any other platform. This is an important episode if you want to learn more about acquisition entrepreneurs and search funds, how to differentiate one individual and their expertise, the capital behind them, how they're going to purchase your company, and how the structure is going to impact what's going to happen next. Also, another reason to listen in is because Kylan does a wonderful job at breaking down about how finding that right owner operator that's gonna buy your company could potentially be the right fit. If they come with the right capital, because the people that Kylan and Aquira is training are people with high emotional intelligence that realize that a business is full of people and getting those employees excited about a business to do the actual change that you started talking about when you were building your investment thesis about, hey, we're going to scale this company, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing, we're going to rip and replace all the technology. Kylan starts talking about like these businesses are full of real people with real lives who aren't always very motivated to change unless they trust the person and leader that's asking them to change. So if you're a buyer, this is important because the numbers of just flipping and rolling up these companies using SBA loans is going to be a lot harder than you most likely think. The other reason is if you're a seller and you're trying to figure out how to sell your company and you might not be to that private equity or ESOP level yet with your EBITDA and you're not you don't have someone in, internally, whether it's a manager or partner or some family member, that's willing to step up to be the CEO, and your cash flow needs that CEO or owner operator to actually buy and run the company because it's going to be necessary for them to have the salary plus the distributions to make the entire deal structure work. This is a huge episode because Kylan's going to break down what a good acquisition entrepreneur looks like and what you should be doing to find one that marries up with your business. And if you're the buyer, again, you're gonna be able to learn what it's actually gonna to take to buy this company, and make it successful long-term. I'm excited to promote this because I think acquisition entrepreneurs are going to fill a gap in the marketplace that is going to be absolutely necessary for these baby boomers in the mid to low market and mainstream to pass on their businesses successfully. And I'm going to repeat that successfully where people are happy and they got the financial reward for building the business that they built over the years and giving the next generation opportunity to continue building wealth and growing a business that is enjoyable for the employees and the customers and the vendors. So without further ado, here's my interview with Kylan from Aquira.
0: Sponsored by Arcona's Intentional Growth Digital Course. Ryan Tansom and Pat Hobby show you how to shift your mindset away from solving for annual income to focusing on strategies that create long-term value, giving you the freedom and choices to take control of the future destiny of your business. Accelerate your knowledge with 36 videos and dozens of exercises that combine decades of experience buying, growing, and selling companies. Learn more by going to arcona.io or visiting the show notes. Kylan, how are you doing, man? Living the dream, man. It's good to see you
1: again. Yes, uh, for, the, for the audience that doesn't know why we're gonna be rolling into this conversation like uh, two old friends, because I met you at Rhodium Weekend, the online entrepreneurs conference in Vegas. We were yep. curling a bunch of online entrepreneurs that are sitting in flip-flops on ice, <laughs> all just staring at the bar that's like,
0: so far <laughs> away, yet so close. <laughs> yeah we, we made it to that bar pretty quickly but. yes we did yeah like oh we done okay perfect let's see let's
1: let's get going um you know why don't you just give the audience a little bit of your background we can dive a little bit into that because i think some of that story is going to lend insight about what you guys are doing at Aquira uh, and then specifically uh, why you're in the trenches again and why your model works but uh yeah just give us the the listeners
0: just the overview real quick yeah i'm happy to fill in some gaps there so my background is kind of all over the place. I got out of the Navy and decided to do entrepreneurship, start a business. So I partnered with a really, really good friend of mine. We started a painting company of all things that expanded pretty quickly. And you know, we were doing jobs in six different states. Um, throughout the course of that, we built two other brick and mortar businesses. And then between 2015 and 2019, I sold all of those, sold the painting company to my partner, And then the two of us sold the other two brick and mortar businesses uh, to an SBA buyer. And I kind of struck out on my own. I started a podcast called Successful Dropout. Uh, I'm a college dropout myself. Uh, Never was one for the more traditional path and really subscribed to kind of our flagship idea there was this idea of just-in-time learning over just-in-case learning. And this idea that you can go out and set goals as an individual. What is it you want to try out? What is it you want to accomplish? and as long as you have the ability to learn and apply well you can kind of figure out what the next step is uh action begets more action once you take that next step the next steps become more clear and you kind of learn as you go right and then figure out and before you know it um you can become pretty good at something versus spending a lot of time learning things that you might never ever put into practice and you get rusty it's just it's kind of wasted wasted time and cost right so that that kind of blew up we had a pretty successful audience there and uh, kind of a community had a around following, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it went really well. It was a lot of fun. Um, community based around thinking and doing things differently, mostly college-age kids. And uh, and then I eventually transitioned from that to well, one of the first folks I had on the podcast. His name was Hayden Miyamoto. Um, he was building a portfolio of uh, websites. Uh, he was doing MA and in kind of the digital asset space. He called me up. Uh, well, I, I had him on. He was the first person I ever had on the show. We really hit it off. He told me up a year and a half later and brought me in as the CEO of one of their portfolio companies. And then that eventually morphed into uh, me being part of his founding team, starting uh, aquira, which is what we can discuss more. But in a nutshell, we help people acquire businesses.
1: And there's so many things to unpack there. And, yeah. you know, I know both of us, you know, with our I'll just say it like this, man, when we when we chatted and we were sitting in line as like for dinner and like, it was like, oh, you had some challenges with the business that you had. And I dealt with cash flow challenges with the company, the family business I helped turn around. And there was like that check. And then it was like the brick and mortar and services because you and I were sitting there like real businesses where a lot of these are like website businesses. So it was like, oh my God, there's right. someone else that actually had like stuff in their business, not just actually a domain. And, and, uh, Those challenges led some insight into how you're doing things today. I don't know what level of depth you want to get into. Just some of the maybe a couple of challenges as you had those businesses and sold them and how those learnings are getting applied to today.
0: Honestly, I think the number one thing I learned is I'd rather skip the whole startup process. (laughs) Uh, Honestly... um, the the idea of building a product or service from scratch, kind of proving the market, um, understanding your customer, you know, acquisition costs, all, all that stuff can kind of be skipped when you just acquire a business. It's it feels like cheating. It's almost like you're you're cutting in line, and, and it's okay. Right? And so I I think when I started working with it was Wired Investors at the time was this PE firm acquiring these digital assets. I kind of, that that's when the light bulb went off there and I thought, okay, for the rest of my life, I, I know I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always want to be running and, and growing, systematizing businesses for the rest of my life. I'm just going to buy them and and then do that. And so that, that's that been, I think, the biggest takeaway in my entrepreneurial journey over the past 10 years. And yeah, we started out acquiring digital assets. By the time I'd met you, we were actually just making that pivot to- brick and mortar business, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we bought an HVAC business and now we're into HVAC plumbing, roofing mostly and pursuing a bunch more uh, outside of that as well.
1: So let's, uh, you know, there's why, let's get into the, let's pull that thread about why you feel like it's skipping and what is the hardest part about starting a business? And like when you're, cause like when you're buying a business, a lot of the value building techniques that we teach for the people that own companies also apply when you're buying a business. That's the whole goal is to grow the value of it too. So I think, this applies for everybody, whether they own the company or whether they're going to sell it, the mindset. So, like, wh- what is it then when you're looking at a business, like, why do you, what are you skipping across? And then when you start after you acquire that business, what is the intent afterwards? And how, how are you connecting those dots about the past of that business and then the future of it?
0: Does that make sense? Or, it, no, it, it, it does. It could go, it could go a lot of different ways. I, I know, think, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think again i think when you're starting it's 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 building that that product service from from scratch and then it's finding the customers i think with the brick and mortar businesses that we have which are more home services based it can take i mean i built a home services business from scratch it started out with just my partner and i uh, in a painting van going out and knocking on doors and getting jobs and it wasn't until you know, two years into it or so that we actually had enough word of mouth uh, from our work to be able to not have to do that anymore but we still haven't mm-hmm. even hadn't even focused on marketing our hiring systems and the and our the, our culture and the types of folks that work best on our team all, all this was stuff we had to figure out so it was probably a solid three, four years. And also just our, our niche in the painting space, which ended up being painting large apartment complexes. We just got really, really good at that. All this stuff took three, four years to figure out and settle into. And then we actually had a business that was humming along and and doing quite well. Right. And so I, for instance, I just bought this plumbing company in, in Montana They've been around since 2000. They've already figured all of that out. Um, Mm -hmm. They have a pristine reputation in in the city they're in. Uh, They have a great team, a great brand, a a good presence, and really talented people that have been on the team for five years plus. A very, very firm foundation has been laid there and me stepping into that business and taking over ownership i don't yeah I, I i get to skip all that stuff that I. uh that's that's three four years of my time uh proving something that that i don't have to worry about now what i'm focused on is how can we optimize that business and and grow it right and we can get into the weeds a little bit on that yeah yeah
1: i definitely want to get in the weeds in that And i think you know that phase that you just talked about and i'm curious is like is your from your own perspective, when you had your businesses and the ones that you vet out and the that you're looking at, I swear on my life that how miserable that part is. Because I, we went through that with Arcona, Kona, this current business. I remember when I read Walker Diablo's "Buy Then Build," and first sentence was "Never start a business again." I was like, "Yeah, touche." <laughs> it's, it, but it, I think those those challenges, Kylan, is where the entrepreneur founder is saying, mm-hmm. "This is my baby," because that pain was so real. To get to even, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars in cash flow. Like are we even in EBITDA territory here? <laughs> right. right. And, and it's like, oh, now I actually have something more than a job, but all of that is what it took to even have something a little bit more than a job. And so there's so much personal identity and like pain that is tied to that organization versus when you're jumping right into cash flow, you're not tied to the systems and process and people because you didn't build it. So, like, how do you see that? I mean, yeah. as part of the part of the process.
0: Uh, no, that's it's a really good point. I think on one hand, on one side of the coin, it's valuable because I'm already finding, coming from outside of the business, I have a very objective view on things, and I'm not preconditioned to approach things in a certain way like like the sellers are. So I'm really able to think outside of the box and bring some new and fresh ideas to the table. So that's an advantage, right? the The, the disadvantage is you have to learn that history of the business, right? They're doing the way, they're doing things the way they're doing them now because they have for for years. Why Why is that? One of the things, one of the misconceptions I see a lot with with new buyers is they feel, and I see this going around on Twitter and everything, this idea that, oh, you can just acquire this, you know, seven figure HVAC or plumbing company and um, use an SBA loan and put, you know, 100 hundred, $200,000 cash down. And you're getting over hundred percent you know, cash, cash returns, assuming the business doesn't grow, doesn't decline. And now you can just go chill on a beach and, you know, check in, you know, or, or you know, hire a GM and then check in with them once a week and, and all is good. And it's just, it's, it's not the, it's not the case at, at all. Why um, not?
1: Why let's, let's pull that.
0: I, I would say p- partly several things here too, partly the size of the business, right? The, the businesses we're typically acquiring are in that sort of one to $5 million total purchase price or enterprise um, range and so you're looking at you know anywhere from 300 to 1.5 million per year And EBITDA. Uh, what kind of revenue visits- for the for the for the
1: because uh, I'm familiar with your, those industries that you're talking about. But how does that translate to
0: people? I mean, you're revenue? doing you know it, anywhere from you know the, on the smaller end you're doing a million in revenue to you know on the higher end you know 10 10 to 15 million and people wise you know to crew a 4 to crew of 20 25 yeah that makes sense uh, something like that so to you you are i i think the misconception is you're going to step in you're going to you are going to do a massive overhaul on systems immediately especially experienced people they'll take a look at these businesses and you'll see things that are not being done correctly or that can be optimized or growth opportunities and a lot of people think they're going to step in and start to they're going to completely overhaul the software system um, they're going to fire underperformers. they're going to do all this stuff and it's just not the case What we encourage folks to do and what I'm currently doing literally I'm just spending the first three to six months in the business understanding how it's been operating for the past decade right mm-hmm. um ne- next week i'm going to be a csr for for a few days our current csr customer service representative she's going on vacation so i'm going to step in i'm going to pick up the phones um That's the awesome. the week after i'm going to be riding in the trucks with the guys and we're making improvements but they're small incremental changes that aren't complete overhauls and they're they're increasing the quality of life of folks like a specific example is when we stepped into this this business we noticed w- one of their systems was the guys would go to the job And then you have the service manager who's in the office and they're also understanding the invoicing and what jobs are being done that day. And the guys, the techs are going to the job. They do that. They come back at the office at the end of the day and they were handwriting all the jobs they went to and everything that was done and all the parts they used and everything at the end of the day. So it's a bunch of time for them to come back to the office, to write all that out and then remember it and and then remember it all right. And there's uh, and it's a pain in the butt for everyone. And it also means the guy in the office has to be there, typically till 7, 8 PM. Right. So we, we came in and we built a quick air table form, right? Where they, the, the guys just fill it out, right. When the job's done, it zaps to the office and everything's right there. So made everybody's lives easier, more, more efficient, but we didn't implement, you know, service Titan, for example, is one of these, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, staple softwares and, and home services. Uh, we're in the process of implementing that, but you know, we, we've now owned the business for, uh, you know, eight, eight, eight months or been involved there for eight months. And so, um, that's a complete overhaul, but it's, it's going to take probably another couple of months to really get that up to speed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I
1: think you bring up a lot of it, it. I think you bring up this, it's such a huge point because this is where I had a, a, someone on the show recently that was a search fund and they had run a company, they were an EO, then they, they raised a fund and now they're, <laughs> it's an owner operator plus a bunch of equity behind them. And that whole, like, the SBA slap this, you know, go buy it with a bunch of leverage and then just do the stuff you talk about. I think, yeah, you're seeing like literally Instagram ads and like ads like, hey, you can just do this real quick. So your money down. It's like it's so ridiculous. And it's for the for the people that listen in that that own companies, they're getting inquiries from PE firms, from investment bankers, from brokers, from people yep. like your audience and the people that you train. I mean, so it's so hard for them to discern what is the difference with all these inquiries all the time. Unless they have a foundation of knowledge, and so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what does Acquire do, how do you guys do it, and what is your model, and how is that different from a search fund or someone that's like you said with a different model? And then I want to talk about then that whole overall model, how you view opportunities and the right, you know, there's a lot of stuff we can unpack after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what Acquire is, if I had to describe it in, in two bullet points, bullet point one would be that we are an investment fund for people looking to buy small businesses. Uh, And bullet point number two, I would say is that we're, we're an accelerator for folks looking to buy small businesses. So if folks out there are familiar with the concept of Y Combinator and what they do for startup entrepreneurs, same thing, but for acquisition entrepreneurs, there's a lot of individuals out there. Our typical profile is someone kind of 40 to maybe 55, 60 years old, already pretty successful in their own right, usually come from the corporate world or more traditional assets that they've invested in stocks, bonds, real estate. And now they're looking to either diversify or most often just get gain more freedom by owning their own business. And now with the the uh, wave of baby boomers retiring and a lot of businesses starting to come on the market, there's, uh, there, there's supply there. But these folks often lack Kind of the the capital and sometimes the the experience. There's a lot of I think wannabe buyers out there, not a lot of mm-hmm. qualified buyers, and so that's that's where we come in. And so these individuals, they they work with Acquire, they come into our ecosystem, and what we provide is uh, structured guidance and and training, um, accountability, vendors. Basically, we have an ecosystem that is a good way to describe it is an acquisition in in a box type environment mm-hmm. that gives you uh, a lot of. Time and cost efficiencies with the acquisition process. It kind of fills in the gaps. In addition to that, then we're we're investing in these businesses ourselves. So, uh, we, you know, we've acquired, we've done over twenty two acquisitions. We're acquiring more. Uh, we have a lot a lot of experience there. And so, if these acquisition entrepreneurs want us to, we're open to taking a minority position in the business. Which aligns our incentives from day one. And then the value we provide is post acquisition. We can act like a board of directors and help them with systematizing and, and growing the business. So again, we can bring to the table actual documented systems for all these different zones that make up your business from HR to you know capital allocation. Mm-hmm. And then we can bring vendors to the table as as well as then community, right? Now, now we have a Several partners that we own, uh, you know, HVAC and and plumbing and roofing businesses with. So in the last six months, we've had uh, two workshops we've we've hosted oh, cool. where these folks get together at one of their business locations and kind of share best practices and learn from each other and, and grow in that way. So that's kind of a high level overview of mm-hmm. of what we do and and who we help. Yeah, and the,
1: and, and I think well, let me I'll give some color to why I think that what you're doing and how you're fitting into the market is super necessary is because. The, the things that I see with the people that go through, we've had hundreds of people go through our training in the last 18 months. And the there's this, I call it like, I've got a bunch of different names for it, but like, there's like this massive void, Kylan, where like between, call it four or 500 grand in EBITDA and 2 million, where they're mm-hmm. real businesses with real people doing real things for real customers. <laughs> and it's right. And then, but when you actually look at the overall like, structure of options for them to be able to either finance their growth or even have an exit that is adhering to their values and to the financial freedom of the need. Like if you go, okay, like, well, if you're, let's say you're seven well, easy numbers, a million in EBITDA, mm-hmm. you know, it's three, four times that's 4 million yep. pay off your taxes and debt. And someone walks away with a couple million, like, Oh my God, I thought this was going to be way more than that. And to go from 1 million to two commercial banks, aren't going to go give you a bunch of, you know, money or they're going to, you're going to get laden with debt and you can't then reinvest. And then if, so they're like, you know, PE firms and ESOPs, they like the million to 2 million. So like you, in order to have the real options with real things, you have to go above, or you're stuck in this broker-ish world where someone can't afford to like buy a business with an SBA and then reinvest, or they're going to, there's just so many inefficiencies with this marketplace that you're working in that it just is really painful for people.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what I'd like to do is be a large part of that long-term solution and mm-hmm. consolidation that I think you'll you'll see in this space. I mean, even just brokers, man. I could go on and on about about brokers. <laughs> <That's, there>.
1: Trust <laughs> me, man. I mean, like, I like I literally was like, okay, so there's a, con, a client of ours. Let's say it's 11 million in revenue, 70 million in or 70 employees, 1.2 in EBITs. That's worth five and a half million mm-hmm. bucks, and you're like, they're gonna list that with a broker. On the web, on a website, yeah, like, like seriously, like that. That's seventy people's jobs and someone's thirty years worth of work, and 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 this isn't that all brokers are bad. I mean, there's you know that there's the people out there that are. Oh, but they're not all
0: created equal. But.
1: But not at all, and it's way different. I mean, so different than investment bankers, and the, and it's the same thing with like even the funding in a bank. Because if you're like, okay, if I need to go from a half a million to a million in EBITDA, I need to reinvest, and they don't have the cash flow without cutting their salary that they that they need so there's right. like this true like re- constraint in cash flow and that's why when i am looping this all the way back when you're talking about the sba i looked at this deal with a client where it was an 800 it was like a million dollar plumbing business or electrician business and yep. the person wanted to do what you were saying is like go in and hire a gm but like the master the, the what's the what's the master the, electrician the,
0: yeah yeah the, that the, license the, was that they're they offered the license they're operating under yeah
1: Right. So then you go, okay, Mm -hmm. well, in order for it all to work, that person has to go get their $130,000 and be the master electrician and and pay the debt in order to have like 60 grand a year to reinvest. And that's just not enough to make it all work. And then if you were to hire a master electrician, you're literally buying a million dollar business with like $3,000 a month in cash. Like why do that?
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And so the I I, ideally, you know, if, if you can retain that, that owner somehow, it's not always possible with, with an SBA loan, but there's like this plumbing company I just bought that the structure there is I own 80% of the business, but that owner now owns 20%. He retained 20% basically. So we're still operating under his license and we've got guys on our team that over the next two, three years, they will get that master license as well. And then we'll be incentivizing them to kind of take over and continue to operate under the business that that way
1: what what type of people are going to you guys in Aquira? and then are you vetting out their skills and what are things to be aware of of like what's a good owner operator as a, as a potential buyer what's not and then what does the capital structure look like when they're going in and how does that that second phase look like with you guys and what are other ways that you've seen people structure that don't work
0: Okay so first question the type the types of folks that, that yep. we attract and kind of how we screen them you know we're we're looking for again I think that background and experience in you know business finance or, or management is is kind of a given if you're going to be acquiring a business that has real people and has been around for for decades so obviously we we look for that the other thing we're looking for are I would say it's a certain drive that comes from this entrepreneurship mentality this forward tilt to just sort of lean into things and figure it out and learn and apply just in time learning right just in time learning yeah uh we're looking for people that are are humble i would say as well and the main way we screen for this we have a program that we call the the gauntlet and it's called the gauntlet because we make everybody go through it before they're allowed (laughs) into our ecosystem as as buyers uh, because we do want to screen them for these things basically we give them a bunch of exercises analyzing a, a mock deal that we have already oh, uh, clo- so cool. closed on and then we and this allows us to understand you know how, how do they think creatively how do they think uh, critically it also includes a couple hours of, of phone calls with our teams so we can just like this face-to-face so we can get to know them in in person and kind of figure out who they are a, a, as a person um but yeah i'd say the folks that do well are the folks that they learn and apply well. They've got that drive because you're looking at a multi-month process. I mean, typically it's six to nine months. Day one, looking to source a business to actually closing on it. It's kind of where I set folks' expectations. Now, honestly, I'd say the other thing too is just people with high EQ. At the end of it, all the businesses it's just it's a bunch of people, and these sellers are real people too. They have certain values. They have a certain culture in their in their business, and so we. We, we need to work with buyers that are, are even keeled, that are looking to seek first to understand before being understood, looking for win-wins, and that are overall emotionally intelligent and willing to kind of get to know the people of the business. So that's that's who does well with us.
1: And, and that is such a stark contrast, Kylan, compared to, like, if you were to go to the search funds that are just popping up everywhere, we have these Ivy Leaguers coming out of, coming out of school, spreadsheet junkies, they have all of their friends that they went to school with that all have connections to family offices and big pools of capital. So then they go on a hunt mm-hmm. for a company for one to two years. They spin up a website. They spend all the money you know, driving out the, the emails and the phone calls. So the big difference that you just said, you mentioned EQ, people, humble versus looking at spreadsheets and like going, Hey, yeah. like we can consolidate all the HVAC companies in the U S and then, you know, and then
0: look at this spreadsheet, it all goes straight line up. And it's, it's I mean, it's exactly. Okay. And I, I, I'll tell you, like I've seen time and time again, our buyers beat out offers from these larger private equity firms or, or search funds or you know capital firms that are even offering above asking price, but you know, they're going to kind of nickel and dime them to death on, you know, post LOI and, you know, question all the ad backs and everything. And, you know, there's somebody real might come to the business from that firm, but it's it's a junior employee or somebody who's kind of just in charge of diligence or something where our buyers are, you know, they're very approachable, you know, real people that are looking to relocate their family in, in most instances most of our buyers are looking for businesses in in you know their, their entire state or states surrounding them but we're very intent on telling them look if if you buy something that says, you know well we have one of our acquisition entrepreneurs he lives in the bay area i'll give you a real example and we bought this hvac company with him in phoenix arizona and he he moved there he was staying there uh, three months or three weeks out of every month mm-hmm. and really entrenched himself in in the business so these people are looking to make this their baby uh, Mm -hmm. essentially
1: that's that's a huge it's a huge point and like when you guys are aligning those the type of quality people you're talking about with the sellers so speak a little bit about the sellers where are they finding you why do they why would they pick you guys over others and what does that overall process look like with
0: the sellers We're we're pretty good. So there's there's if you're talking about sourcing, like there's kind of two buckets there. There's on market, through brokers, there's off-market. You know, without brokers, we do a lot of of both. When it comes to sellers finding us, this is through we're pretty good at digital marketing. So we have funnel set up. If you Google, you know, what's my business worth, we might we might pop up right now, and you'd punch in some information about your business. We'd spit out kind of an auto calculated valuation. Then our team's gonna going to follow up with you. the The advantage to then working with our pool of qualified buyers is that you're not going to be charged brokerage, uh, which you would with with if you worked with a, a traditional broker. Um, instead, our buyers pay that they pay a small percentage brokerage to to us for bringing them that deal and kind of connecting connecting oh, them.
1: That's um, interesting. So that's, that's that's a unique a, model.
0: Yeah. But, so that's a. I think that's a big one for sellers. The other one is, like again, I'll just say the buyers that we have in our ecosystem, they're they're good people. We vet them through our our core values. Our core values are serve. Um, it's systematic excellence, uh, empowered stewardship, respect and integrity, energizing lives and again we're looking for these folks that are they're they're good people right they're they're, they're not assholes we enjoy working mm-hmm. with them and uh so that's that's something else we've we've seen time and time again you know they're also educated like we're giving these buyers the tools to really approach the the acquisition process well and you know we don't teach we don't teach people to kind of take advantage of malicious of those tactics, are, uh, right? exactly exactly you know, it's it's uh it it's always been a win win right
1: it makes you feel good right <laughs> it's like i mean you're not teaching people how to go around i mean like you know i mean i just did a podcast with my business partner about what to do when you get an out of the blue offer because it's like god i mean your chances of just getting hosed are so high <laughs> it's just absurd and uh there was yeah. a gentleman
0: go ahead no i was just agreeing
1: yeah <laughs> is uh you know, you, you talked about the, the sellers where the, I mean, this is their baby, and you're handing it off to someone else that's going to care about it just like that. It's not just this get rich quick wealth creation mode, which people are going to get disappointed once that happens, anyways. When you're let's talk about valuations and how you guys value businesses. Okay, so let's talk about it from as the buyer side. I mean, like mm-hmm. when you're looking at good deals, what does that look like? and then also like what do you plan on do like valuation what's your opinions on valuations and then how to enhance value
0: we're we're typically looking again for these these smaller businesses we usually start with with comps we're calling brokers we're looking at um, websites like biz by Cell that have a lot of this data and understanding what's what what's kind of the typical price for a a plumbing company in the in the US right which is about a 2.6 multiple which is typically that starts on the low side i'd say that's that's quite mm-hmm. low um if if you were to ask me now and the brokers i've talked to the deals we've done you're looking at more like you know 3 to 3 3.5 or so so that's already that's always a starting place i think the business certainly becomes more valuable as you realize it, the, the more the more turnkey it is and obviously, the the larger the, the the cash flow as as well. At the end of the day, though, with our buyers, it it's always come down to it's the, the price is what the the buyer and seller agree on. Uh, but it's right in that sort of two point five to I'd say four multiple for the home services businesses we're looking at again in that sort of three hundred k to you know $1, million dollar um, uh, price range. So, so it, the
1: the definition of, a, of you know the re, some of the risk factors that you would look at from a buyer's perspective on the other side of that same coin are the same things that you would do to enhance the value.
0: So like when you're- Yeah. Just, so like, I guess one example. So w- when we teach our buyers to do initial kind of pre-LOI diligence, we have a bit of a template that we break every deal down. It applies to almost any industry. But we're looking at pretty typical things like the customer and, and sales concentration or the- the, uh, the, the earnings and, and revenue trend, th- th- things like that. And obviously if you've got, you know, 30% of your revenue coming from a, a single customer, that's a pretty big red flag and might constitute, uh, you know, a bit of a lower purchase price. And, or maybe you work something directly into the deal structure to mitigate against that, uh, like, uh, like, like an earnout.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and so the, The things that you do this because you got this whole ecosystem, like you said, of vendors and just like even that uh, intake form, like you were talking about, like, what is the, let's say someone buys a business. And before I even go into that, like what percentage of the of the sellers actually roll or keep some of their equity versus like a complete, complete handoff?
0: The the issue is SBA there. If we're approaching the deal yeah. with SBA, right, you can't can't retain that. Um, otherwise, I'd say I would say the majority of sellers are are interested in in that. And there's there's some creative workarounds there. But again, we we also have done deals with without SBA, like the deal I've just done now. It's seventy percent seller finance, seller retain twenty percent. Um, we put 10 percent down, and, and that's just a really neat win win. I think. Again, in, in this case, the seller is, it also depends on the seller's motivations, right? You've got a lot of sellers looking to retire. Some, like in my case, this guy is 42, 43 years old. He's not ready to retire yet, and he still really likes the business. Um, he The thing was double the size a couple of years ago. He grew it, decided he hated it. Um, hated the whole business administrative side of things and didn't really know what was going on. So he fired a bunch of folks and went back to kind of a skeleton crew. And he just really likes training the guys and out there with the crew kind of turning a wrench. And so when when we came on, it was a real win-win in that he he doesn't want to see the business grow. He just wants no part of it. But he's willing to keep equity, not ready to retire, and wants to participate in that in that growth. Um, and I think most sellers are open to that just with SBA specifically, that can be difficult. There are some, Mm -hmm. some workarounds though. Um,
1: And the reason I asked that, that was super helpful is that like, I think when you have two opposing, not opposing, two different views of what the future of the business could look like, especially when you have two people now that view the same baby as theirs (laughs) and they're not spouses. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, how do you reconcile that view if if they've got rolled equity or they've maintained some of it because you now are going to go in there and Professionalize it, like you said. Like you are, your systems that you're bringing to the table are professionalized because that's what you're going to do to scale the business. How do you, like, how do you, how do you approach that topic?
0: It's uh This is why we look for buyers that are high EQ and that are just good, good people to to be around and humble, because that's that's what it takes, man. Like you're. You're you're building a relationship. Like again, I I can really speak to the the, the what I'm in the trenches with right now. And th- these folks are my partners now. This it's the seller and his wife, and they still work actually full-time in the business. She's a a, a CSR and he does all the training and is kind of the, the service manager in in the business. I stepped in two weeks ago. We, you know, we'll, we'll see as time goes on, but the relationship is still very, very good. But I I'm I, I find it pretty like it, it's not hard for me to make friends or understand other people's point of view, um, be empathetic. And I am you know what like what, what are some of the things I'm doing? I'm I'm extremely communicative. Um, you know, we have a weekly, we have a weekly call and I'm a big fan of EOS, the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial operating system, Gina Wickman. And so I've started to implement that in into the business as well to give us some structure and you know once a week forum to kind of talk about issues and goals and i'm very clear here's my what i'm doing this week here's what i did last week out of the things i was doing last week here's what i got done here's what i didn't get done here are the things we need to we need to discuss i'm always asking their their opinion on things i'm i'm being extremely respectful and and humble i i guess Mm -hmm. you you could say no that and that that it it
1: nailed it i think kylan because like let's talk about some examples of where that 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 rub would happen if someone wasn't empathetic
0: well i mean so it 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 happened literally today our biggest barrier to growth right now is is talent it's finding good techs to jump in vans and and go serve our customers and so one of the ideas that i've had is i'm talking to a lot of these young guys that want to they think they might want to be plumbers but aren't quite sure it takes a lot us and a lot of investment to to work and, and bring on an apprentice plumber to our team sometimes to 20, thirty thousand dollars before they actually start bringing the company in money. And so one of the ideas that I've had is well, let's let's just uh, advertise ride-alongs. right let's get these guys if, if you're interested in being a plumber and you're some you know high school kid, uh, come cool. and ride in the van once a week, um, you know work, work for free, but we'll throw you into it and you can kind of see what it's all about and kind of shadow us on the job. Right. and i've got one guy who's a great fit who wants to do this next next monday tuesday and so i've been working on this on kind of the side you know today i called lance the owner and kind of talked to talked him through this and immediately his defense went up a bit because one it's it's just kind of a new a, a new idea mm-hmm. but but two he's also he's a little bit scared of us growing too too fast but it, he's also a good person himself in that he was like Look, I know this is kind of your thing now. I know this is your decision. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. But then on mine, I'm looking, I'm saying, like, hey, ben, like, this is this is your business. You know this better than I do. I I want your sign-off on this. I want, I want your opinion. And I had been initially, for instance, thinking, um, we'll pay these guys kind of minimum wage. I want to be, you know, be fair. He was like, no, I think we should have them do this for free. This is how I've, I've onboarded a couple of guys. If I, if I went and worked for another company or shadowed them for a day, this is what I would expect. We found we found a middle ground there, um, basically. And um everything is great. So like I, I guess it's I could have put my example, I, man. yeah, I could have put my foot down and said, like, no, this is the way I, I want to do it. And I don't think it would have worked out as well. There's always that, there's that, that it's give and take found of to ideas, heaven. right?
1: Like, I mean, people get protective over, over their ideas. I mean, that, if you think about the conflict that happens inside of management meetings and team meetings all day long, it's just competition for ideas and opinions. And like, you talk about being humble and like, I don't know if you and I go ahead.
0: There was just one, there was one more example. I thought of that was just a couple of days ago, right? Like, my other idea for bringing more talent there's 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 probably 60 other plumbing companies in in the area except these are the majority of these are they're like one man in a van maybe two men in a van type Mm -hmm. type companies um father son something like that but starting to talk to there's several of these guys i've been starting to talk to and they could be very interested in being absorbed by our business earning a little bit more maybe starting a division of the business you know so they can still be a, a an owner but we take care of all the backend administrative stuff, right? Then I brought, I, again, this is something I didn't just go out and do. I brought it to the owners in our level 10, you know, meeting this last Monday. And, you know, he just said, look, I'm, I, I think it's a good idea. I'm all for that. I could point you to some people, but he's like, this is still so new. Um, you stepping in here. He's like, what I really love is over the next nine months to a year, let's see how, let's see how this goes basically. And if we, if things are steady and, and consistent. And this is a good relationship. He's like, then I feel really good about talking to these other plumbers in the city that I've known for years, and and bringing them on board. He wants to know this is a sure thing, right? And so that's that's like this. It's just a very honest conversation, man. Like he's still not sure about me. I'm still vetting him out too, and we're still figuring out this partnership. And so that's it's this constant conversation, give and take. It's like it's like being married. For the, for well, it's ones.
1: about being on a good team, right? I mean, like, and I think you, you said it already is that a business is full of a bunch of people, right? Like if it's kicking out a million dollars, it's a bunch of people organizing things mm-hmm. to make that million dollars. And like, that's what I think. So like in our five principles, which is our intentional growth training, the first one is your drivers. And it's what the hell do you want from your business and why? Not the money. Yeah. The money is the money is the second principle. And the reason, Kylan, is like, I mean, Bo Burlingham wrote this book, Finish Big. And it's all about like, what do you want from this? Because it's your people and your community, and all like, and people get so infatuated with that number and they don't realize that most of the time they're going to have to work for the buyer for some period of time. And all of the reputations wrapped into this thing, and they just only concentrate on the number. And then all of this, all the stuff that you're talking about, how you handle that is where everybody quits during the earnout, they get so miserable. The, mm-hmm. the, the stress in just, I, I have felt it I've lived it. And it just, people don't value that enough. And that the, the fact that these buyers kind of can, oh, we're just going to roll these up. And I'm like, Hey, duh. there's a bunch of people, right? Like you can roll <laughs> a bunch of those spreadsheets together, but you have to have a bunch of team meetings where people like each other to actually deliver the goods and services to the customer. <laughs> oh,
0: no, it's, it's true, man. I wish, I wish people focused on that a little bit more, both buyers and sellers. Like if you're, if you're a business owner um, or or a seller like i wish if you're talking to buyers i would encourage folks to focus on that that communication and that that relationship in, in addition to to the numbers and the deal structure and how that's all going to work but you want to have a really the best deals i've seen and deals that really come together well everybody in that transaction uh they, they walk away happy first of all like it's a win-win transaction but then there's there's a relationship uh, as well there. And almost to the point where at the end of the day that the relationship comes, you know, first. And that's kind of what kind of what I've developed with these, you know, the these the, the the seller in this business. And it's it's working out really well. And it's the same thing with you can't forget about the like in my case, the techs, like they're they're the lifeblood of the business. That's where our revenue comes from. And so you know, I've already been out till 3 AM, you know, having beers with, with a couple of them. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, like, I, I could make this executive decision for this new, this new guy to come do this ride along. I know exactly the tech I wanted to ride along with, because I trust him to vet the guy and tell me if he's a good fit, I could just, I could have just, you know, set it up and he, you know, the guy would show up and all of a sudden he'd have a stranger in his van, but I called him and just brought up, looped him into the decision and said, Hey, what do you think about this? I respect your opinion. So it, I don't know. It doesn't take, it doesn't take much, man, but it's these little kind of, it's this human element, these, these touch points and being a humble person that I've just seen time and time again, it's the key. It, it just goes, goes a long, long ways.
1: Did you and I talk about this book? I'm holding up conscious capitalism.
0: I we you... did. I still haven't yeah. read it. What were you mentioning? it? I know yeah. just <laughs> in time learning. It didn't, it wasn't applicable yet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, the, uh, the reason I bring that up is like, the, the ability to make wealth owning a business is huge and you, but you cannot expedite trust with all your stakeholders, you know, and I think about what you're doing. It's just like, I'm under the belief, Colin, I'm curious of like, when you're looking at all the buyers and sellers and transactions, I'm under the belief that a lot of the sellers in the, in the size companies that you're working with, they didn't want to be a Business owner, private equity owner, right? Like they like they want the they, their craft or their enjoyment or their community or what. Like there's all these fun things, and there, there's cash flow. But they never really thought of their business was an asset until okay, now I need to retire. Then I kind of realize, oh, I have to like get this whole different mindset. I swear on my life that two thirds of b- business owners that currently quote unquote want to get out, they just want to hand that pile of shit of operational administrative stuff off. But they would probably still work 20 to 30 hours or whatever. So that you could they could still have a paycheck to some degree and enjoy mm-hmm. the community. Because another reason that Bo brilliant talks about why some, some people are miserable is that they they're they're out, their baby's gone, and their whole life, their emotional like surgery of their identities removed. Where like you could have that be a gradual process that could be enjoyable if they found if people found people like you that were buying versus some miserable, like, it's just about the cash and I need to like have a, you know, 18 month therapy session.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised a lot of these folks see through that. Like, again, I'm, I'm looking for more acquisitions in the area. And so I've started talking to some of these sellers and it's it's actually pretty amazing in terms of plumbing companies in this area. It literally like since January, 2021, they've just been inundated with private equity firms and, and offers like uh, just like that all of a sudden. And I see it. I mean, we don't have to get too granular, but private equity is hitting the home services space hard. We saw with HVAC first and multiples mm-hmm. expanded in like a nine-month period. And now I see it's starting to move to plumbing, electrical. painting, lawn care. I, I've watched
1: it here in the Twin Cities too.
0: Yeah, I mean, r- roofing will be a big one. But these these sellers are, again, these guys have built this thing, blood, sweat, and tears, for three decades. They love the craft and they're really turned off by some of these. And I've actually I've had them send me some of the the offers, and it's you know it's a deck right on you know here's our our values and our our twenty year vision and all kind of what you talked about earlier all, all this sort of you know high level kind of top down stuff, and and then usually the offer has some sort of maybe equity in the larger roll up they're doing or something. And these guys it doesn't it doesn't really appeal to them at all. Oftentimes, it's so complex, they don't, they don't even care to try to un- understand it. And so what I've seen time and time again, is these individual buyers approaching these sellers, and you just develop that relationship. And that's, that's what that's what pulls a deal, a successful deal together.
1: Well, I just like I think about it, like, I mean, you're in the services business. I mean, like, you need these, you need the text to like to wake up and go to work so you can make money everybody can make money. <laughs> like you need yeah. everybody happy too. What, what are some of the things that you're seeing on in the marketplace? I mean, you mentioned the private equity. I'm seeing the same thing on all sides of the market, you know, big companies. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous, Colin. I mean, like I, I go, okay, well this, <laughs> I don't know who's going to make these returns at some point, but what, what do you, what else are you seeing as far as activity and industry i just
0: I, I see i just see a lot of er, like early stage consolidation um I, again i can really speak to home services the the most which is mm-hmm. you know tons of different industries but i see a lot of early stage consolidation there as in these larger firms are rolling up start starting to roll up these businesses but it's i think it's it's early on in the process So yeah they, they're projecting you know three four five you know to me ten years down the road the type of returns but I don't I don't know man stepping into one of these just myself as an individual and then having been part of that world where okay we're going to roll up you know 300 companies in in 3 years and apply this sort of blanket operating system and you know have all these kind of K- KPIs and have you know hire all these GMs and you know take things to the next level it's it's so different when you're actually boots on the ground dealing you know face to face with these with these folks and so, what I'm trying to take as I do more acquisitions, is more of this bottom up approach. I'm really, really interested in again getting in the vans, like getting on the phone and understanding what what actually matters to these folks, and let's build a, a systemization and a growth strategy um, based on that. And I think what I'm going to find out is it's going to take you know tw- twice in, as long as as you and twice as think, expensive. <laughs> and, and twice, yeah, mo- most likely i so i would, you, I, would, you, would well I was just saying
1: does and i based i don't know a ton about your the overall structure of Acquirer, but like if there's no hold time that you have to sell everything by you can do that right i, I mean i don't know if there's limitations yeah. that you guys have on that or
0: no we we kind of leave that up to to the buyer we have we have some buyers that do want to approach this pe firm style and buy something in value add over a few years and and sell um and that can certainly work uh, but we do have a surprising amount of folks that are they this they do want this to be a long-term hold uh, a lot of our buyers are thinking about that building a generational wealth and something that they can pass on to their their family members mm-hmm. and that that's that's my approach as well and yeah mm-hmm. i think when you have that long-term mentality you can get a little bit more of a patient approach to this stuff for sure
1: <laughs> what what do you think is going to happen man like what like the I don't know if you and I talked about these stats, but just to kind of set the, the groundwork for a second is uh, and this is from the US Census Bureau, and I, they, they're coming out with one soon again, I think, but it's So there's 27 million companies 21 million of them are freelance, you know, no employees. So there's 6 million privately held companies in the US that employ collectively 120 million people. And then of that, um, there's only 20,000 that are over 100 million in revenue and then there's yeah isn't that crazy and then there's so if you've if you've got a hundred million dollar business you're literally in the point zero one percent of successful entrepreneurs but the uh the, then between five million in revenue and a hundred million in revenue there's three hundred thousand companies mm-hmm. and then there's 5.6 million or whatever the delta is underneath five million in revenue and so like yeah when i look at that just from a pure macro economic perspective count i'm like so you take it the three million dollar company And you go, okay, well, you're already in the whatever percent because you have a business. And you're going, well, there's not enough EBITDA there. There's the wealth. Everybody talks about this tidal wave of baby boomers, you know, $10 trillion. I'm like, these are a bunch of people with jobs that like, unless they find the right person like you or the right person that has an SBA loan, like what in the hell is going to happen to these companies? Because there's not enough PE firms. The PE firms can't do it for all the reasons you said. They can't hover around in a boardroom. Because they're going right. to have to do what, the style that you're doing. And I don't see enough people doing what you're doing to be able to facilitate that transfer.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we're – and see, I'm probably a bit um, – a bit. Uh, I have a bit of a different perspective here because that's all I deal with every day is the types of folks that that do want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. That's why I think you're you're going to see that's a good more. Thing, I guess there's a lot. It, of people no, it out is. There. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and what I'm finding there's there are a lot of people out there that want to acquire these businesses, and and then it's it's definitely fewer of them that understand how messy and and complex it can be, and have that entrepreneurial drive to still to still do it. But there's definitely more out there than than I thought. And as Acquirer grows, and we get more people in our community, I'm I'm seeing you know like I, I did a presentation maybe over a year ago called the 10 trillion dollar opportunity business buying opportunity that nobody is is talking about kind of alluding to as you know, roughly 10 trillion dollars in small business assets that'll be switching hands over the next decade or so um a lot of studies show and and uh, i can't truthfully put anything out with that title anymore because there's a lot of people talking about it i think what we're missing is just i think it's just buyer education which is what we're up to and then i think you're going to see more people kind of like Aquira, like the Roland Frasers out there, Walker Diables, you know, these are great guys, great teachers uh, emerge because you are, I think we're starting to hit this critical mass of people interested in, in business buying, but they, they need, they need a little bit more perspective and, and guidance on the process. You're and, going and to sign a bunch
1: of personal guarantees and pay a bunch of money for a big mess.
0: <laughs> yeah. A lot of opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's all joking to say. I mean, it's a great opportunity. Like you said, it's that's, it's not all sunshine and roses every
0: day. <laughs> I, it's, it's true, but you know, I've, I've just, I guess I've never, I don't know, maybe some other people have a different experience. I've never, uh, experienced anything where i can expect to get you know outrageous returns for something that's really easy or or not a lot of work right that's always the case it's Amen, sort of this, this pick your what what who's the is it something uh manson uh he wrote wrote the book the subtle art of not giving a f mm-hmm. i don't know if you want i don't right, know his his whole thing is like what what pain do you want in life right? There's a lot of pain and suffering in life. And if you think about your career path and the thing that you want to pursue in terms of what, what is the kind of pain and kind of uh, messiness that you are mm-hmm. happy to put up with, I think that, you know, that can give you a little bit more perspective on your direction aside from just thinking, you know, what is the thinking about more of the benefits the and book. kind of pleasure side of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it, it goes in as we're rounding out here is that, I mean, intentional, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's about putting the the stuff. In front of you that is gonna make a difference that you enjoy so like i always ask two questions um what does the word intentional mean to you
0: what does the word intentional mean to me it is it's beginning with the end in mind for for me it's understanding it's kind of this eos eos approach like this is what i'm doing with the business currently it's understanding where do we want to be in 10 years? And then let's work backwards. So what does that mean we have to be in, in three years? And where does that mean we have to be in one year? And where does that mean we have to be this quarter, this month, this week? And then what do I need to do t- today? And so do, doing that in both business and, and personal life has, has always been a habit. And that means that typically the way I'm spending my time, the effort I'm putting into something, the work I'm doing, it's, it's really intentional because it's always tied to this longer term vision. So dude, That's awesome.
1: I love that. Where do we find the acquire a team and what you guys are doing online? Yeah, no, if, if,
0: uh, if you are a buyer looking to buy a small business, if you're a seller looking for a pool of qualified buyers, um, I'd love to talk with you. Um, you can head over to acquire.com forward slash intentional growth, and that would be A-C-Q-U-I-R-A.com at forward slash intentional growth. Or feel free to always email me, uh, kylan at acquire.com, uh, K-Y-L-O-N. And would love to chat May with or may you. not be in a truck
1: going yeah. to <laughs> site to
0: site. <laughs> in excuse between the, buying companies. <laughs> excuse the road noise, yeah. <laughs> kylan,
1: man, this is so awesome. Have uh, us connect again and have you on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Appreciate it, man.
1: Thanks for tuning in to that episode. I hope you learned a lot about acquisition, entrepreneurs, and search funds and why it might be a good way for you to go buy a company and grow wealth or why it might be a good exit option for you because it aligns your first principle drivers and your second principal financial targets and your timeline. If you're not sure where this fits or you want to learn more about how this option compares to other options, go check out our Intentional Growth Training where we're going to talk about determining what you want from your business and why how to clarify that path towards a more valuable business and make your vision a reality by growing value understanding the exit options and how to align your exit timeline and valuation net proceeds deal structures with the right person or exit that accomplishes all the things that you want so you can be happy knowledge equals intention equals freedom equals choices and i just want that for everybody so thanks for tuning in and i will see you next week